spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs. How's it going? Good morning and happy Aloha Friday. Thanks for tuning in here to Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalei joined by Yanji Denise, and we are joining you on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This morning, we are spotlighting a race uh, that will be coming up in the upcoming election, a race to fill Kai Kahele's seat in Congress. That's right. Kai Kahele has announced that he is running for governor and vacating the CD2 seat. And so there are a number of people who are interested in that uh, job, including our guest this morning, State Representative for District 50, Patrick Pihana Branco. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. So you are now in your first term uh, in the ledge representing Kailua and Kaneohe. Tell us a little bit about why you've decided to pursue the CD2 seat. Absolutely. Uh, when Congressman Kahele announced that he was running for, gov uh, for governor, it was a complete surprise to me. Uh, it wasn't in the plan. I planned to be in the state legislature for the long haul. But you can never choose the time, uh, the time for service that calls you. And so this is why I stepped up to the plate. And I believe that we need someone that's willing to go to Washington, someone with the Washington experience. I was a U.S. diplomat for eight years in Colombia, Pakistan, Venezuela and with the Secretary of State's office, but someone who's also grounded in Hawaiian values that will stay there for the long term and make sure uh, Hawaii becomes a priority in the halls of Congress again. Let's talk a little bit about your background and that foreign experience you speak of. How do you feel that that is, uh, will prepare you for this job and translate into a uh, position in Congress representing Hawaii? Absolutely. On the practical side, you know, as a former U.S. diplomat, I understand that our Jewish travel schedule uh, one experience I had was flying into Afghanistan 17 hours, negotiating for six hours back on the plane to Washington, and then two days later back into South America. We need someone that understands the practical side of the job, that it actually will take a lot of time if we need someone that's committed to staying in Washington. The other thing, too, is my experience not only prepared me uh, for the practical side of the position, but also the hard side and negotiating as well. When I was in Colombia, I was on the other side of communist guerrillas, negotiating, sharing about democracy, freedom, peace. I, you know, I'm not saying com uh, Congress is going to be full of communist guerrillas, but it's going to be a very difficult situation. And we need someone that's grounded in Hawaiian values, but also understands how to navigate the DC apparatus to make sure the needed federal resources are coming back to Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, on that topic, I, I'm interested to know, we, we are looking sort of in the broader landscape at Democrats likely being in the minority. You, of course, are a Democrat. If you go up to Washington, given the climate that you're stepping into, how will you navigate that and indeed put Hawaii, uh, you know, at the forefront? Absolutely. I think it's important to, uh, to note my current district. I represent the district of Kailua and Kaneohebe. It was represented by a, a Republican for 30 years, Representative Cynthia Thielen. When I ran for office, I didn't run on, you know, bad Republicans and good Democrats. What I ran on was continued strong leadership for our community. And that's the same attitude that I'll bring to Congress. 
Not everyone is going to want to work with me across the aisle, but there is opportunities. If when you look at uh, history, Senator Inouye was best friends with Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska. And so whether the Democrats or the Republicans were in party, they worked together to make sure those necessary resources were going back to their same uh, to their states. And I believe this is what I'll be able to offer is be able to build bridges and make sure that Hawaii is a priority in the halls of Congress. This is an interesting seat that you're looking to represent in that it represents parts of rural Oahu as well as the neighbor island communities. Uh, how do you feel equipped to be able to be that voice for neighbor islands uh, and, and being able to manage a campaign as well that is uh, a statewide campaign rather than something that's confined to the district on the windward side of Oahu? Absolutely. I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm born and raised in Kailua, but my family, when they actually uh, immigrated from Portugal and Puerto Rico during the plantation era, they set up base in Hawaii Island. And so I spent my summers actually on Hawaii Island uh, with my great grandparents. We would help them with the pigs in the morning and then we'd go to the beach in the afternoon. And this is the type of connections that I have. I'm not only connected to Kailua and Kaneohebe, but I have family across the neighbor islands. And this has been the foundation of, of my campaign is connecting with those friends and families that are excited for this campaign. The other resources is I was a political outsider when I ran for office. When I finished with my diplomatic career and I moved back home, I'm not from a politically connected family. I don't know other politicians. But what I did know was that I had growth and grit, and that's what my parents taught me. And we were able to win our first race in Kailua and Kaneohebe, and we feel like we've significantly done being able to bring a lot of resources back to the community. You know, as you're campaigning, I, I'm assuming that you're interacting with a lot of, of voters, potential voters. Uh, what are you hearing from them in terms of what concerns they have? And what do you think that you can specifically do in Congress to address some of that, those concerns, be they economic or COVID concerns? What, what are you hearing from potential constituents and what, what do you hope to do for them? When I, uh, recently, I was talking to an auntie in Wailuku and she was saying that she was very excited about our candidacy because not only it was a young blood, a fresh face, but someone who actually brought experience, DC experience, and able to do the job. The number one issue that I've been hearing from, excuse me, from constituents out there is we need someone that's going to stay, someone that's committed to the job, that will be there full time, and knows what it takes to be in Washington. It's not easy going back from Washington, then back to the district and across the, you know, the eight islands. And so that's the number one issue. The other issue is economic diversification. This is what we're hearing. And, you know, we've been hearing this. And this is the other thing that I'm running on is we've been hearing about economic diversification, tourism, and many other issues in this state since I was a kid. And it's the same issues that we're talking about today. And so this is the, the, the populace out there is just tired of career politicians promising the same thing and not willing to deliver. I know for myself, I cannot afford a $1.5 million home in my community. I'm fortunate that I live in a multi-generational household with my grandparents, but my story is not uncommon out there. A lot of families are worried that they'll not be able to make it in Hawaii, and they're worried that their children are definitely not going to be able to make it. And so this is what's going to be important. And this is what I'm willing to work on and I want to focus on is economic diversification and bringing the federal resources here in Hawaii to make sure that our local families can stay and thrive. You know, you've had a short stint in the legislature during your time representing uh, your community of Kailua and Kaneohe. Uh, I'm wondering if you can share any highlights or things that you feel proud that you have been able to accomplish during that time and how you feel like some of your experience, albeit short, 
uh, has propelled, uh, prepared you for a higher job in this should you get elected to Congress? Absolutely. Um, the same type of mentality that I used as a U.S. diplomat was Aloha Diplomacy, and that's what I brought to the Hawaii State Legislature. And we were able to pass some significant pieces of legislation. I'm very proud that the first bill that the governor signed on my uh, into law was actually the prohibition and the possession of ghost guns. This came about, uh, I spoke with our police officers and they had shared with me a case where there was one individual that had 168 ghost guns. Ghost guns are unregistered, unmarked guns without serial numbers that can be partially put together at home that were on our streets. And our police officers were collecting these guns, confiscating these guns, but they were not able to prosecute because of the loophole in the law. And I was proud that the first bill that I ever passed in the Hawaii State Legislature was uh, putting possession in the law to make sure that our police officers were able to take these guns off the street. Additionally, uh, working with my Senate colleague on the Water and Land Committee, we were able to pass the Youth Conservation Green Corps, $5 million a year, 1,000 temporary part-time jobs to help our youth get into the green economy, partnering with the organization KUPU and with our, our children being out there to uh, replant areas, help with invasive spe uh, species, to be out there uh, restoring native Hawaiian heiaus or whatnot. That's significant. And I felt that I was able to do that because of my work with those senators as well as members of the House. And lastly, one issue that was very near and dear to me as well, my great-grandfather, from upcountry Maui would go to school and he would be punished and beaten for speaking Olelo Hawaii in school. And then he would go home and be punished for speaking English. The state effectively banned Olelo Hawaii for 90 years and there was not an apology to the native Hawaiian people. And so I was proud to introduce this bill both in English and Olelo Hawaii and get it passed and the state officially apologized. And I also want to add, too, it wasn't just a, a significant apology to start the process of healing. This is one of the things I learned when I was in Colombia, uh, when we we're doing reconciliation after the peace process. There needs to begin a truth telling and also a process of healing. And so this is what really was the basis of this legislation. But also the apology was significant, but also what was significant that I worked with Senator Kidani and we got into the budget money for the Grow Your Own Teacher program for those students who are studying education, want to be native Hawaiian language teachers, had priority to get this money, their education paid for, if they commit five years to the DOE. And so this is the other thing that I'm proud to work on is also helping our Olelo Hawaii community and helping Olelo Hawaii get into everyday in practical use in Hawaii. You know, you mentioned the ghost gun legislation right off the top, and I'm interested to know there's a wider conversation happening nationwide right now in the wake of what happened in Texas uh, just about a week ago with the 19 children and two teachers who were killed. What are your thoughts on, you know, federal, uh, federal gun control, if you will? What do you think can be done? What should Congress be doing right now when it comes to this issue? It's completely unacceptable that the major cause of death for children in the United States is gun violence. Something needs to change and we need to do something about it. If I am elected to Congress, we need to make sure that we have universal background checks and red flag laws that are passed. These are common sense gun laws that we can pass in Congress. This is also upholding the Second Amendment right, but making sure and ensuring that gun violence doesn't become pervasive throughout the United States. 
you know, this is a conversation that has been going on for years, if not decades, of trying to find uh, some way to uh, keep this gun control issue, of course, top of mind, but also actually doing something about it. Uh, how realistic do you think that, uh, you know, that, that something would pass them? Say you get elected, but the Republicans do take control of the House. I mean, how realistic is it that anything will pass? Because I think there is a sense of frustration by many, not only within our community, but beyond, uh, about what is happening and, and really nothing to show in changing of legislation to show for it. Absolutely. This is a big sense of frustration. When I talk to many of our community members, this is an issue that they believe Congress hasn't acted on. Something is different this time. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there is huge momentum across the country to get something done. And so building on that momentum, plus, you know, my background as a U.S. diplomat and be able to to cross bridges and to speak with those from the other side, I do believe that I'll be able to build those bridges and we can work on getting something done. My my thought that this is a priority, there is momentum and something needs to be done in our country immediately. Uh, I want to circle back to something you brought up at the top that uh, that you're hearing from from potential voters. And this is from Kevin. How do we know you're going to stay in this seat? And TJ said, you know, responding to Kevin, how do we know he won't try to get into another seat, even if it's another congressional seat? Uh, given what's happened with all the turnover in this particular seat in CD2, uh, there is some trepidation from voters and people feeling like they want whoever takes this seat uh, to build some seniority. What are you telling people on the trail about this? Absolutely. You know, we've had three representatives in this seat in the last 10 years. You know, Hawaii can only build seniority if someone stays in the seat. It's also very important that someone stays in the House because all finance bills actually originate in the House. So it's critical that we have a member of Congress that stays to build that seniority. And so this is my commitment to the people of Hawaii. If a seat for governor or senator opens in the future, I will not run for that seat. I am committed to staying in this seat for the long haul, as long as the good people of Hawaii will have me. This seat is not a stepping stone. This seat is a cornerstone of our delegation, and I am committed to staying there for the long haul. You, of course, are going to be going up against uh, someone who has had a name in politics for some time. Former State Senator Jill Takuda, uh, you know, has been in charge of the Ways and Means Committee, uh, has done a lot around the state budget, uh, was running for lieutenant governor, but ultimately moved into uh, this race once it became known that Kai Kahele was seeking the seat for governor. Uh, what separates the two of you? How do you feel that you may be qualified or what distinguishes yourself from your opponent? Absolutely. I think what, what first distinguishes me is I'm not a career politician. I'm not a politician that's looking for a job. I am someone from the community that is looking to serve our people. My entire career has been public service to our country and to the state of Hawaii, and I'm committed to do that. The other thing, when I'm speaking to people out there, they're tired of the same promises. As I had mentioned earlier, we are talking about the same issues over and over again for the last 20 and 30 years, and nothing is happening. And this is what my candidacy represents, is I'm a lawmaker that actually puts my money where my mouth is, and I do something. The other thing, too, is also the practical side. I'm the only elected official that has significant Washington, D.C. experience and on-the-job training to understand the arduous job, arduous travel that is ahead of us. We need someone that's going to be committed to staying in the seat, understanding that sometimes you're not going to be able to come home for three to four weeks, and there's some times where you're going to have to be able to come home for you know 12 hours and get back on that plane. We need someone committed to that, and my entire career has shown my commitment 
to the state as well as country. There are some questions in the comments about military leases. Um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on Red Hill. I know that this is sort of a multifaceted issue where you'll have the Board of Water Supply, the Department of Health, uh, and the governor's office, along with the city and county of Honolulu, all working together to make sure that the Navy uh, does its part to clean up what, ha what has happened and also to defuel the facility at Red Hill. But what do you think the role of Congress is going forward on this uh, to make sure that the, the military actually does what it's said it's going to? do the next congressperson's role is going to be critical this this seat has traditionally had a, a seat at the house armed services committee and to make sure that the decommissioning of red hill goes smoothly and that there's no further environmental degradation we need to make sure that we have someone on this committee and someone that's going to be able to bring the resources to make sure there's no further environmental damage it's also critical for this uh, our next congressperson to be on this seat because they can keep the Navy and the Department of Defense accountable. I think that's what's gonna be critical for Red Hill is to make sure the best way to make sure Red Hill doesn't happen and the decommissioning goes smoothly is to have a strong voice of the House Armed Services Committee. You know, you, you have a unique experience in the, in the sense that you have served in the military, uh, but you also have strong ties to the Hawaiian community. And at times we have seen these two communities clash uh, with many Native Hawaiians who are calling for the removal of some military presence in specific areas, uh, as well as just the overall relationship between Hawaii and the U.S. military. What do you think that relationship looks like moving forward, knowing what we know what happened with Red Hill and some of these leases that you know, Yenji was speaking about? Uh, how do you think that relationship should look moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a question of equity and parity when it comes to Native Hawaiians. For too long, the system has not included Native Hawaiians, as well as the larger community in developing policies when it comes, uh, comes to you know, land use, military installments. And this is where I think the congressperson also is very critical. As we saw, Congressman Kahele was from, uh, the, he, he serves in the National Guard, but he's also Native Hawaiian. We need someone that understands that unique perspective, that's able to bridge between the two sides. But moving forward, we need to make sure that there's significant voices from the Native Hawaiian community, as well as the larger community at the table to make sure that we feel that here in Hawaii, that us local residents are making the best decisions for our lands and for our communities. I always like to bring in viewers. Doris has a question here. Uh, Aloha, Patrick. What is your position on abortion and reproductive freedom? Of course, we know that the Supreme Court, you know, that leaked draft of that opinion on Roe versus Wade uh, that, you know, it's not clear whether or not that's a final opinion, but it does look like, uh, you know, the reproductive landscape could be or reproductive rights landscape could be changing across the country. Uh, interested to hear what you have to say to Doris. I'm absolutely horrified of what we're here, seeing and hearing from across the country on what was leaked out of the Supreme Court. She, uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in her opinion, wrote that we needed to make sure that we codified and passed the law through Congress, because if not, we would see constant attacks through the courts. We are seeing that today. So if I am elected, I will work with everything in my power to make sure Roe v. Wade is codified. The other thing is we cannot stop there. We need to make sure there is an environment and we need to stop the stigmatization of abortion as well. We need to make sure that those making these difficult decisions, women and families, feel and have the support that they need. And when you look at it here in Hawaii, we were the first state that passed abortion. But today, you could get abortion only on Maui or on Hawaii Island. This seat, majority of the seat is in the rural community. What about 
a woman who's making this difficult decision that's in Kauai, that doesn't have the $200 to fly to Oahu or to get to Maui. We need to think about that and we need to lower the barriers to access, but make sure we're giving the proper resources that those who are making this difficult situation feel cared for and can go through this process. And we need to make sure that we have we lower access and make sure those on Kauai, Molokai, Lanai, and even on Hawaii Island who has to travel from one side of the island to the other who may not have transportation has that ability to do so. I also see this as a significant health access issue for Hawaii. You, know, you mentioned in your talks with people from the community that many are frustrated because they say things are not changing, uh, that it's kind of always been the same, that there's a lot of talk, but not a lot of action. Um, you know, and yet we hear when we speak to members of the congressional delegation on this show, uh, you know, whether it be Senator Schatz or uh, Representative Kai Kahele, you know, they speak about some of the accomplishments and things that they have been able to accomplish and some of the things, the work that they are doing for the state. Uh, I'm wondering, do you think that this congressional delegation is doing a good job and has done a good job and is meeting the needs of the people of Hawaii? And if not, what do you think is lacking uh, that you would bring in what you would change? I do believe that Senator Schatz and the rest of the delegation has been doing a good job. I, when I talk about the larger apparatus, we're talking at, about city, state, and federal. Um, this is one thing that I always tell my team. When we get an issue that comes into our office, whether it's the city level or the state level, they don't view the different levels of government. What they view is that it's just government in general not being responsive. And so I think there's the opportunity for us to grow. And I do believe that our federal delegation is doing a great job. But we do need to do some more work. There's a lot of work to do on tourism, economic diversification, and we're not going to get this right. And it's not going to just be myself or others. It's going to take a full all of government effort at every area to make sure that we're responding to the needs of the people. You know, you have such an interesting background, Kamehameha Schools graduate, HPU graduate, Johns Hopkins, and then all the diplomatic experience you were talking about. I'm interested to know when you're out on the trail, what's something that you share with people that they may not get by reading your resume? You know, what do you like to do for fun or what are you most passionate about? Just a little of the personal side, if we could. Absolutely. I think uh, uh, one of my hobbies that I enjoy doing is I actually do uh, uh, Hawaiian arts and crafts. So I do like to carve uh, Hawaiian traditional uh, implements and I'm hoping to learn how to carve native Hawaiian bowls soon. But I think uh, something else about my background that uh, you may not know or people may ask what motivates me is a teacher, uh, my geometry teacher at Kamehameha, recently I saw him at, uh, at Ala Moana and he said, hey, I'm so proud of you. And he said, statistically, you are not supposed to be where you are. I am the son of a teenage mom and a father who didn't finish high school. You know, in my biography, it's not supposed to say former U.S. diplomat, current state legislator, and candidate for Congress. And that's really because of the growth and grit that my parents taught me and my community. You know, my dad worked several jobs to pay for my mom for nursing school. My mother, for a two-year nursing degree, took eight years. And I remember being in the back of that classroom in WCC and KCC. And that's what my parents taught me, that this be, being able to work hard, you can make it in here, make it in Hawaii. But that's not the case anymore. I, I recently spoke to my cousins who graduated from Kalea High School. And when I was talking to them about graduation, they feel a little disheartened. Because when I graduated, the, the dialogue or the, the conversations that were happening was like, you go to the continent, then you come back home. For them, the conversation now is, will I ever be able to get a good paying job? Will I ever be able to make it in Hawaii? And that only option is going to the continent. 
And this has to change. And this is what my candidacy is about, is because I want to make sure that all families, our youth, and our future can stay here and be able to make it in Hawaii. And so let's uh, maybe address that. Uh, how do you think uh, that's possible? I mean, what, what suggestions or thoughts do you have uh, to make Hawaii more affordable, to allow some of those who have left the islands to return home uh, and to make and succeed here? Absolutely. You know, so one, the biggest thing that we can do is have someone in Congress that's going to stay and build that seniority to make sure those federal dollars come back to Hawaii. But in terms of economic diversification, there's a few opportunities. Hawaii is the only state in the union that can produce all forms of renewable energy. We need to make sure Hawaii is meeting our goals and we harness all of these forms of renewable energy to make sure our energy bills are going lower. There's great opportunity in geothermal. The other thing out there too is Hawaii, as we're the only state in the union that has all these forms of renewable energy, Hawaii is primed to become a testing spot. In my own district of Kailua and Kaneohe Bay, we have a wave uh, energy facility that's being tested. There's opportunities here, and I would love to work to see how other companies could come here and test these technologies safely, but also build jobs for our community. The other thing, too, is uh, cybersecurity. With the pivot towards the Pacific and the United States is focusing on the Asia-Pacific region, there's a lot of federal dollars that are coming here in, into Hawaii. Um, when we look at warfare, in the 21st century, it's not going to be battleship to battleship. It's actually going to be asymmetric warfare that's done through cybersecurity. This is meaning that we need people that understand AI, speak multiple languages, and are, are in Hawaii. And Hawaii has that competitive advantage. We're the most diverse state in the union. We have multiple languages being, being spoken here. And we have an opportunity to build that, build that, uh, that sector here in Hawaii by making sure that we have grants and training programs into our local war for, uh, workforce to make sure that our local people are taking advantage of these cybersecurity jobs. Primary day, less than three months away. I'm interested to know what your campaign schedule is like, how people can connect with you, um, and, and sort of how, you know, as Ryan mentioned, this district is so interesting because it comprises not only neighbor islands, but also a lot of rural communities, uh, parts of urban Honolulu as well. So how, how are you sort of navigating all of that? And, and what is your strategy without giving too much away, of course? No, not at all. It's about, I don't take any vote for granted. Some people, they, when they ran for this seat, they focus on Oahu and they have an Oahu-centric campaign, but we're not about that. This seat is a rural seat. The majority of the district is rural. So we're going out where the people are. We're not taking any vote to grant for granted. For the for example, this weekend, we'll be on Maui. We'll head to Hawaii Island. Then we'll back to Maui. We're going to Molokai, Lanai. And this is the other commitment I want to make to the people of Hawaii. The majority of this district is neighbor islands. We need a strong voice for the neighbor islands. So I am committed. Congressman Kahele moved the district office to Hilo, and I will be keeping that promise if elected. I will keep the, the district office in the neighbor islands. We need to make sure that this campaign is not Oahu and Honolulu-centric, but also we feel that they have a true voice for someone on the neighbor islands. Sorry about that. As our time wraps up here, uh, just want to provide you a, a final moment to uh, get your message out to those who may be watching who are considering this race and still have yet to make up their mind about who they would like to support. Uh, your message this morning as we close on out. Absolutely. No, thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I'm just honored to be here as well. As I said previously, you know, my biography is not supposed to be here. My story, my story, my story is not statistically supposed to happen. 
but this is only possible because I had you know, the love of my community, my family, and also the growth and grit mentality that my parents taught me. And so as, the, as I get out there and I just ask as the voters to please give me a good look, please consider me and know that you'll have someone that's committed to working for you in Congress for the long haul. And also we'll make sure that we are making sure that Hawaii is a priority in the halls of Congress again. Mahalo. Okay, mahalo. State District Representative for District 50, uh, Patrick Pihana Bronco, and now candidate for Congress. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. Aloha. Great to hear from him. He has such an interesting background, Ryan, as we noted throughout our conversation, having worked as a diplomat uh, all over the world uh, with a focus in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and then he also noted some work in South America as well, coming home to Hawaii, running uh, in that, you know, what was Thielen's seat for many, many years, taking it from a Republican, turning it into a Democratic seat. And now uh, he said he had not expected to run for Congress this early in his career, but the opportunity presented itself and he feels called to serve. Uh, Also interesting to note that he did make a commitment uh, in our conversation today that even if a seat that could perhaps be appealing to some, like let's say a Senate seat or a governor's seat opens up, it is not something he would pursue if he was in this seat. Yeah, you heard him say that this is not a stepping stone, but rather something that he is committed to for the long haul. Uh, And also making note that this is in a seat where the office should be held on the neighbor island. Kaikahele, of course, moving that district office into his hometown of Hilo. Uh, and, and you heard from Representative Bronco saying that he would do the same uh, and keep it on a neighbor island in that community because of the fact that it represents those neighbor islands and rural Oahu districts. We also got his uh, opinions on a few of the hot topics that are happening right now, of course, gun control. He spoke about some of the local legislation that he was able to pass with his first uh, time in, term in office. Uh, and then also talked about his stance on gun control and saying that his experience Uh, as a negotiator, as a diplomat, uh, will help him in Congress to help pass uh, gun legislation and other legislation that will require both sides of the aisle working together. Yeah, he also talked about the importance of this seat when it comes to uh, enforcing the Navy's commitment to drain the Red Hill fuel tanks and how he would work to make sure that that does indeed happen. So we covered a lot of ground with him. Very interesting to hear from him. We appreciate his time this morning and we appreciate all of you for tuning in as well. On Monday, we're going to be talking not only about this race, but all of the races that are happening. It is a very exciting political season. So Neil Milner and Colin Moore, two political powerhouses, uh, will be joining us to handicap all the races from governor on down. We know that, uh, you know, every house in the, every seat in the legislature, along with a number of city council races, of course, congressional seat, lieutenant governor and the governor's race, uh, all up for grabs. So very interesting conversation. We're looking forward to that on Monday. Yeah, we hope you join us. Uh, Really, it's an opportunity as well to educate voters about the different people running in all these offices, because there is a lot happening. And I know at times it can get confusing with the amount of races and people (laughs) running. Uh, So we're looking forward to that conversation. Have a great weekend. We'll see you right back here on Monday. Aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs.